You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Our guest today sent me a very sweet note that said, having been a listener of your podcast for several years, I've learned about replacing my W-2 income with passive income from real estate investing. Well, of course, that got my attention. So I invited David Vernick onto The Real Well Show to tell us how he created a passive income stream while working full-time. So David, welcome to The Real Well Show. Thank you, Kathy. Good to be here. Now, you said you had an awakening at age 45. Tell me about that. Well, I was a banker back in 2007 at age 45, or still I'm a banker to this day. And I had four kids at home, uh, 20, ages 20 and younger, four, four boys. And I just looked at my 401k balance. I've been contributing every year since I was 22 years old. And when I ran the numbers and projected them out till I was 65, I knew the numbers didn't work. So there was a huge gap and I had to do something different. So essentially I looked at my loan portfolio and looked at personal financial statements and checking accounts of my customers. And the ones that were doing the best were real estate investors. So I simply, picked up the phone and called a few of them, took them to lunch and said, I need you to tell me what you're, what you're doing because this is the path I want to go on. Wait, so the, you looked at the loan applications you were getting um, as a broker and saying, who are the most successful people? It looks like these real estate people are and you just gave them a call? Yes. <laughs> they must have thought that. They must have got a kick out of that. Well, they were kind of flattered that, and I took them to lunch and said, I just need you to tell me what you know because essentially I want to be in your position at some point. So what did you learn in those meetings? Uh, I learned the first step was I needed to have a mentor. Um, I, did, I wanted to pay somebody to show me the ropes so that I wouldn't be making the same mistakes they did because being a banker, you see the good, the bad, the ugly, and I didn't want to go through the ugly if I could avoid that. Sure, and so what did they teach you? Um, my first mentor taught me basically that I didn't want to be in the real estate business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not, uh, that's not maybe the advice me, you wanted. <laughs> they actually had me ha with a hammer and nails and trying to flip my first house, which I am not handy with that at all. That's why I'm a banker. Um, but the first step was learning a little bit about how to do a house. And I was surprised because this was 2007 and there were houses in Nashville where I'm living everywhere there were foreclosures, I was surprised at how hard it was to buy a house because the real estate agents wouldn't return my call. They said, we don't know who you are. And when they did, when I did talk to them, they said, are you going to live in this home? And when I said, no, I'm just going to be an investor. They said, no, we've already sold it to another investor. So I couldn't get a house. That was the hardest part, getting started. But I did flip my first house with them. Actually, to this day, we ended up renting that house to a nice family, uh, 13 years it'll be this December, they're still in the house. Wow. And, and the house is paid off. So that's a nice feeling. <laughs> See, isn't that amazing that here's somebody who's lived in your house for 13 years. How much is the rent? Uh, started off probably at $750 a month. Now it's up to $1,100 a month. Now, it's probably cheaper for them to buy the house, right? Yeah, we'd probably sell it to them and carry the mortgage since it's paid for, but... It's amazing that people don't think there's always that gap in their mind. I don't have the down payment, therefore I can't afford a house. 
because they just Correct. don't immediately they rule it out because they don't know that there might be other ways to do it. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They most people's their biggest uh, fear is how am I going to come up with 10, 15, 20 percent? And as a banker, uh, I get a lot of financial statements and you'd be surprised how many people have no money in savings and no retirement savings. None. Do they have nice cars? Some, they always nice cars, they look good, but they don't have any money. <laughs> Not for a rainy day. Yeah, you, you learn that lesson when you have a rainy day, right? Exactly. Well, we, we saw that just with COVID. You know, I was kind of shocked that businesses were struggling in the first month. It's like, you know, I, I thought, I mean, at least our advisors say you have to have six months reserves. I just assumed that was business. But no, these businesses were hurting, you know, just a few weeks in. So, you know, it's across the board, not just individuals, but businesses that don't really have the savings. Yeah, it's rare that I find somebody that has any reserves at all. And uh, most people, if they do have savings, it's all in retirement and they can't access it. So it's, it's always very unnerving to me as a banker to see someone come to me looking for a loan and, you know, if they have no reserves at all, if there's one bump in the road. Now, are they, I, I don't know if you know this, but where are they spending their money? Are they decent income earners? Oh, yeah, they're all decent income earners. They're, you know, college graduate income earners. It's just, I read an article in Newsweek, it was uh, yesterday, and it said 21% um, of Americans have zero saved for retirement. And then the median savings between people that are basically retirement age, 55 to 64, is less than $100,000. Yeah, that, that's really incredible. So what did you do next when after you bought your first property? Uh, when I realized I was no good at flipping houses, um, I, I went back to my mentors and I asked them if they would let me do the only part that I was good at. And they said, what is that? And I said, well, it's what I do every day. I find money. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to be, be the money guy and you guys fix the houses up and we'll we'll get together as a team, and whenever you find a house, you call me, I'll get the money. And they said, are you independently wealthy? I said, no, I did the first house actually on a uh, line of credit from a banker friend of mine. So I had to get a line of credit. I have good credit, but I'm like, I can see how this is not going to be scalable because I'm only going to be able to do so many of these. And I didn't want to do Fannie and Freddie with even my first rental house. I wanted to keep that for my primary residence. So... I said, I will bring in people that I know, and primarily they're doctors, dentists, small business owners who do have some cash or credit. They'll use their cash to buy the house. We'll fix it up, we'll put the renter in there, and then I will go get a mortgage on the house with all of us on the mortgage, and that'll pay the investor their money back, and then we can do another one. And so that's the program we started back in 2007, and we've got, between all our groups now, we have 121 properties. How do you split the profits? Well, the first group we did uh, was 49% to the people that did all the work, 26% for the investor who put it to short-term capital, and 25% for me for putting everything together. Nice. Yeah. So you didn't put really money or labor in. You put your, your smarts and your, your yes. action of it, being a producer. Yes, I basically connected the money with the, with the labor and then found the money to get the investor their money back so they would have no money in the house. Wow, brilliant. 
Now, did you own rental property during the last housing downturn? Well, 2007 was the last housing downturn because it's just gone straight up. And I tell a lot of my people that I've talked to, it's like, I've never, knock on wood, I've never lost money. And then I always pause and say, yet, because I'm not guaranteeing you never will, but I've also been in the up market my entire career in real estate. So uh, I've, in my banking career, I've been through three crashes. The SNL crash, I was young and I didn't know what was going on at that point. And the RTC crash, where everything was thrown into pools of loans and mortgages that people got rich buying those cheaply. And when 2007 rolled around, I thought this was my chance to jump on that um, train because I thought this was a once in a generational time to buy cheap real estate. Mm, yeah, well, you were right. <laughs> All right, so you have 120 units now. Who manages all of those? Um, well, I basically duplicate this with other uh, individuals. So my mentors um, had a setup. The reason why I wanted to kind of tie into their organization was because there was a husband and wife who, who worked out of their home. They did this full time. They had a on-site property manager full time and they had a full-time maintenance person. So I said to myself, you've got everything. Why don't I just be your money guy? And they kind of liked that idea. So we kind of filled up the truck with them as far as we could. And we're still doing deals today, but it slowed down. Obviously, the numbers don't look as good. Mm -hmm. And I had to switch over to another bank. And I went to Clarksville, Tennessee, which is about 42 miles from Nashville. Started doing the same thing there, found somebody that could do the work. I brought the capital and they managed the properties. So my my particular part of the job only takes 10 or 15 minutes to find the capital. That's incredible. <laughs> Good for you. All right. Why single family homes when you can get, it sounds like, as much capital as you need? Single family homes to me are the, the big selling point to me as an investment is everybody wants to get into a single family home as soon as they can out of uh, apartments, you know, things like that. The, the thing that we're seeing here in Nashville with prices have gone up so high is they cannot build a single family home, a starter home anymore. That would be about $250,000, $300,000 in Nashville today. We were buying them for $70,000. So they're really not building single family homes. So, so the supply is staying stagnant, actually going down because a lot are being torn down and two new homes are being built in the lot. So with a declining supply and increasing demand, uh, I feel like single family homes are really the best investment that's risk-free for most people. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just, uh, <clears throat> I, have, I don't find too many other single family uh, addicts, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Um, yeah, it, it, the trend over the last few years has been into multifamily. And I, I agree, it's easier to get into single family. It's easier to exit. You own it. In your case, it's it's different. But for most people, they're the only ones on title. They don't have to share the profits with anybody. Um, they just have to pay a management fee. <clears throat> you get all the depreciation yourself. You don't have to share that with anybody and the tax benefits. Uh, so yeah, I and, and then obviously now today, there's so much demand for single family homes. I think that trend was happening anyway, as more and more young people were finally starting to get married and having babies and realizing maybe that cool downtown condo isn't so great with little toddlers running around. 
now they're sure of it. <laughs> now they really want a yard. So uh, the oldest son when he got out of college um, was able to have the pick of some of my houses as his first house. And he, we actually were going to either probably flip one of the three houses. We kept one as a rental. He bought a four bedroom house as a single guy right out of college. He qualified for the mortgage. And, and um, I, of course, owned a piece of it. So my equity was his equity to get in the house. So he got in with no money. And he rented out three rooms to three college roommates and moved back to Nashville with him. So he lived for free. So uh, mm -hmm. that was another side benefit that I really liked about single family homes is I've got four kids. They're all going to need a house one day. Maybe I can help them get their first house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when inheritance comes along, it's a little easier too. They each just get a house or two or three. <laughs> so, um, okay. We talked a little bit earlier about how so many people still don't realize that the plan, the financial plan that they maybe have is not going to get them to where they need to be. And they haven't even really taken the time to look at that. Um, I, I mean, it sounds like you see a lot of people's finances. I did too. When I was a mortgage broker, I was shocked. Um, but what, what do you want people to know about that? Well, I, I advise people, especially those who have W-2 jobs, I mean, if you've got a 401k with a match, it's just, it's a no-brainer to, to take advantage of that. So all my sons that are out and working now, i got them all off payroll, finally. The first <laughs> thing I ask them is, do you have a job with benefits and do you have a 401k? And is there a match? If there is, take it. It's free money. Mm -hmm. But it is extremely difficult with things costing what they do these days for anyone to, they always say, save 15% of your income from the time you start working until 65. And I'm like, that's not a realistic number. And when you look at what people actually do save, they're lucky to save even to get the match. So I tell people to take advantage of the 401k, but that's not going to get you to replace your income that you need. And the second thing is basically look at something like real estate as an alternative investment because of the leverage and because of what you can do with real estate. I am now making more money in my real estate than I am in my full-time job. So I can I can retire now if I wanted to. I just don't want to. <laughs> so based on leverage, I mean, I, I do think so many people don't realize that you're you're a commercial broker. Is that right? I work for a commercial bank, so I'm a commercial loan officer. Okay, um, what kinds of loans are available for a commercial these days? I mean, and when I we're talking commercial, are we talking multifamily or office retail? What kind of loans um, do you do? I, I do a lot of single-family home investors. Oh. I, actually, I actually look for these people and say, you know, instead <laughs> of going to Fannie and Freddie with these, uh, come to me and I'll do as many as you want. We don't have the 10, 10 limits. So today, if, I, if you were a good client, I could do 3.99 fixed for five years and a 20-year amortization. Say that again, 3.99. 3.99 years. Five years, 20-year amortization. That is incredible. And yeah, so I, you're right. I like the shorter amortizations because my goal was when I was 45, I said, I want to have my original goal was when I thought I was going to do it all myself. I want 10 houses on a 20 year loan so that every year I'll buy one house. And when I, when I turn 65, my first house will be paid for 66. My second house will be paid for. That's what I thought originally. And uh, so I liked the shorter amortization so that I have all that cash flow kick in right when I was retiring. Mm -hmm. Instead, 13 years, it didn't even take 20 years, I've got um, 
out of our all our houses, I got 21 that are paid off. Our equity, my portion of equity is 2.6 million. And my cash flow so far this year has been $261,000. So, you know, way better plan than what I had back in uh, 2007. <laughs> that's incredible. Congratulations. Do you think that's possible today? Do you think that people can continue to see uh, values going up and, and able to build equity if they buy today? Well, I mean, when you think about it, uh, most of the return in a 401k is with appreciation. There's not much cash flow with these stocks that people have in their accounts. The average S&P 500 type company is paying less than 3% dividends. So basically they're, they're banking on stock, the stock market going up forever while they're in retirement. And the way I always look at it is just stop any single person on the street, even a stranger and say, tell me about the first house you bought. How old were you? What did you pay for it? And what does it work today? And that, that kind of gets people's minds like, yeah, I should have kept that house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very good. Plus, you're, you're paying down the loan or your tenants are paying down the loan. So you build equity just through the, the loan payoff. Uh, but with yeah, it, every month I'm getting a, a bank statement on some of these houses and it shows me the principal reduction. Well, I didn't make that reduction. It's from the tenant. So yeah. it's like somebody's making a contribution into your retirement account every month. For them, it's rent. For you, it's your retirement account. Yeah, it's really the ultimate leverage, in, in my opinion. Um, so if you're a commercial lender and a commercial lender for single family, what took you so long to get started if you've been banking for 35 years and you started 13 years ago? I'm not the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> it's... It really comes down to when I started banking, I got into banking not to be a banker per se. Um, I really wanted to be in banking to be exposed to all the types of businesses, um, manufacturing, distribution, service, everything. And then I was going to decide which business I liked so that I could run that type of business. That's actually what ended up happening, but it took me a long time to figure that out, that uh, real estate was really the game to be in. Yeah, what and it, it uh, woke you up when you met with clients, right? Well, it's just uh, the fact that when I when I was uh, making a, my, a single income in my family, my wife wasn't working yet. She was staying home with the kids for twelve years. I was looking at the money I was making. I was only making you know about eighty thousand dollars. It wasn't a lot of money. It was decent money, but that was back in two thousand seven, and I just knew that. If things didn't change, we would have to downsize, downsize to the point where we would have to live in a van down by the river, you know, with government subsidized cheese. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen. There's got to be another way. So it was, it was basically the impending doom of what was coming facing me 20 years down the road that focused me in doing something quickly about it. Yeah, you don't work 30 years making a decent you know, decent salary, taking care of your family, just to go live in a car somewhere when it's retirement time. No, I, I, I know that there's a lot of people that subscribe to the FIRE method of, you know, financial independence, retire early, but it seems to me they've lived very um, minimalist lives. And I kind of had a brief situation where I thought minimalism sounds pretty interesting, but then I realized it would be very minimalist because my wife would divorce me. <laughs> 
You only have to worry about one person then. <laughs> yeah, you can live a bit of a lifestyle, but I'm not joining you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good wake-up call for sure. Uh, I, I just don't know where else I'd feel comfortable putting my money than in hard assets today with a dollar, you know, just with the economy being flooded with dollars, just devaluing it every day. That drives the value of hard assets up. And that's what I think we're going to keep seeing. Yeah, and it's going to be limited to, obviously, people's income and qualifying for mortgages because they still have to borrow money. However, in places like California, people are bidding up housing because, I mean, there's going to be a ton of rebuilding going on with all the fires out there. And that's going to cost a lot of money in housing. You know, the lumber prices are going to go up. Um, so housing has got to go up just because of all the elements that go into housing. Yeah, wow. So sad. So um, I'll just ask this final question. What would you say is the secret sauce for people that are W-2 employees that want to build a rental portfolio? Um, my secret sauce was try not to do it on your own, but to find a mentor and to build a team. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I'm encouraging my sons to do when they're starting their real estate is, you know, really, there's very few people that are good at everything <laughs> A to Z when it comes to real estate. So kind of look at it like Robert Kiyosaki said, you know, business is a team sport. Mm -hmm. So pick your position on the team, which I picked, and find other members on your team that will play their position way better than you could. And when, when that happens, you'll find out that real estate can be very simple and easy if you just stick to what you're good at. Which is exactly what you did. You're good at finding money and money found you. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, it's been really an inspiration. Thank you so much, David, for being here on The Real Wealth Show and sharing your insights. Thanks, Kathy. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. I'm Kathy Fetke, and you can listen to past episodes at realwealthshow.com. <laughs>